This episode wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Blush. Blush does beautiful letterpress printing of cards, stationery and more for designers and artists. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web, design and creative industries. This is episode 31 and today is Saturday the 10th of August 2013. The show is hosted by me, Anna Debenham, and by my co-host, Andy Clark, um, but he's on holiday for a few weeks, so today I've replaced him with our CSS hero, Harry Roberts. Hello, you all right? Yay! How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Yay! It's really great to get you on the show. Um, we're both, we both love what you do, and um, we both read your blog, and yeah, you, we think you're great. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit nervous. Got some, uh, got a tough role to follow now. <laughs> Shoes. You'll do great, I'm sure. I've never hosted a podcast either. I turn up and, and speak on them, but I, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, yeah, Andy's on holiday for like a whole month. Um, the life of a freelancer, sorry. Yeah. Have, have you ever been on holiday for that long? No, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. I can't, I can't switch off. So like a week's holiday, I, I start to get itchy. And I have to come back home. Yeah, yeah, I get like that. Yeah, but yeah, he seems to have completely switched off as well. Although he's gone to the, he's gone to France, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, I reckon I could force myself into a month of meat, wine, and cheese. <laughs> I think I could make myself do that. Oh, it's tough life. I know. I know. Do you ever go on holiday, like when you go to a conference? Um, no, I haven't really travelled that far to many conferences, and. Um, like any conferences I've spoken at, I have to. Uh, I've always booked out of my annual leave at Sky. Yeah. So it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a big effort to sort of try and fit a holiday around that as well. So I haven't, I haven't bothered um, yet. Hopefully that will change. Yeah. yeah. It depends. It depends where I speak as well. If somewhere really impressive comes up, then uh, then that'd be quite fun. Yeah, and you might book a few more days. Yeah, definitely. Just to stick around. Do you find it weird that um, Andy has a man crush on you? He's only human. No, no, it's very, it's very weird. It's very, very weird. Yeah, especially since you're young enough to be his son. It's weird that anyone would have a crush on me. <laughs> and Andy Clark. Yeah. We're, um, we're speaking together in, uh, in Scarborough, of all places, um, in October. So I'm going to buy him a, a bit of heart-shaped rock, I think. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> go, for some, go for a walk along the promenade and eat some fish and chips together. <laughs> Romantic. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> so I think I've met you before um, in a pub in Brighton called the Fountainhead. Do you remember at all? Uh, that wasn't me. Really? Yeah. You? I remember because you were very tall. And there are, there are have you ever been to people. Brighton? Oh, I thought I'd met you. No, I've I... never been to Brighton. Really? No, never. Oh, wow, it must have been a dream. A, a nightmare. <laughs> No, I've never been to Brighton. I'm sure it was you. No, no. I, I, sure I, I know if it was me because I've been wanting to go to Brighton since forever and I've never made, I've never made it down. Wow. But I'm, oh, I must have been an imposter because um, you introduced yourself as CSS Wizardry. You are jerking me. Someone's, <laughs> someone's out there pretending to be me of all people. I, I must have dreamt it. If you're going to do That's a bit of really weird. identity theft, I'd pick someone more interesting than me. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's bizarre. Yeah, that certainly wasn't me. Oh, now I'm embarrassed. No, I, I'm well. You're embarrassed. I'm confused. Who's master <laughs> in Brighton? Oh, uh, there was a guy. There was a guy who um, he owns CSS3Wizardry.com. 
Right. Uh, I don't know if it was him. Oh, it might have been. <laughs> yeah, how weird. Um, so last week we talked about contracts um, for like three episodes. Um, I just want to mention if <clears throat> if you've listened to the those episodes, um, we're going to do some more in-depth follow-up when Andy gets back because I'm, I'm sure you don't really want to talk about contracts. I'm not qualified to talk about contracts at the moment. <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be listening be listening to those quite intently. Um, so the reason we've got you on is because of the blog post that you wrote yes. quite recently called Make It Count. Mm-hmm. Could you just talk a little bit about that and a bit of a background of what you do and who you work for? Um, yeah, so uh, which should we go with first? Should we go with the, the blog first, get that out of the way first? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe? Something like that. Um, I've just had a crazy sort of all over the place number of weeks. Um, loads of events, been going to uh, things all over the country. Uh, been really good, really good fun um, speaking at stuff and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, at the same time as that, I've, I've been working a, a day job at Sky, um, you know, which, which all seemed fairly manageable to start with. Um, you know, all in sort of good spirits, all good fun kind of stuff. Um, not really sleeping much, certainly not looking after myself enough. And uh, it all came to a head on stage in uh, in Liverpool at a conference where I blacked out. Ooh. Yeah, uh, not too much fun. Like probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me as well. Oh God! It was. Uh, it was. I think. So I think. Um, I worry that some of it's got lost in translation because I didn't actually hit the deck or anything. I didn't sort of hit the floor. <laughs> I staggered forward into the crowd because my vision went and I couldn't see anything. Yeah. I'd sort of uh, staggered blindly into the crowd and two guys leapt up and just grabbed a chair and put it underneath me and guided me down onto that. And, um, yeah, as my vision came back around, I just had a sea of eyes staring at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. And I, uh, yeah, I couldn't finish my talk either. I just feel so bad about that. Uh, oh, I'm sure people understand. Well, it's been... So- I've just been saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so embarrassed, I can't believe it happened, I'm really sorry I couldn't deliver the talk. And everyone's come back to me saying, look, we don't mind as long as you're okay. Mm. Which is really nice, but I still feel terrible. I, uh, yeah, people turned up to see a talk, they didn't turn up to see me uh, just sort of zone out and, and sort of pass out on stage. Do you get no- nervous doing talks? Um, less and less. Uh you know, my first one I did, absolutely terrified, like completely terrified. But um, after sort of the first few minutes, and I say this to, when people ask me for sort of advice on speaking, I'm sure you'd agree, the first few minutes are the hardest. Then once you get into yeah. it, it's just, you get sort of... You go on autopilot. And um, so yeah, nerves aren't something I've suffered with, um, especially since uh, I spoke at industry conference uh, in Newcastle uh, a couple of months ago. Was that the one that Ashley spoke at? Yes, yeah. Her talk was incredible. Did you uh, did you see her talk? Have you managed to check it out online? No, I'm going to sit down and watch it. The video's out, isn't it? It is. It is now. Yeah, she was so yeah. good. She was amazing. But um, yeah, that was that was like um, that was the best talk I feel I've ever delivered. And ever since then, my nerves have sort of been non-existent because yeah. I had that one really good talk. It left me with kind of a good feeling. And uh, so yeah, nerves aren't a thing I really get too badly anymore. But um. And how about how about now after this? I reckon I reckon I'm going to be nervous after this one. Aww. I'm speaking at uh, CSS Conf in uh, in Berlin in a month's time. 
Right. And that's going to be quite a big crowd. So, yeah, I'm going to have to try on that. <laughs> I might just sit down for this one. <laughs> <laughs> make sure make sure you eat before you, you speak. Yeah, yeah. And have it's, some water up there as well. I think as long as I don't hammer it quite as hard as I had been, um, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's just one of those things. I think it was more the timing than the fact it was a talk. I reckon it would have happened if I'd have been, you know, down the pub. I don't think it was necessarily that I was on stage and trying to do a talk. You said it was very hot in there as well. It was insane. It was horrible. Um, yeah, it was a culmination of things. Um, yeah, it won't happen again. It better not happen again. <laughs> <laughs> in your post, you kind of talked about all the things that were leading up to it, um, like kind of work ramping up, and um, you also had sort of workshops and writing. Um, is that something that like that you felt pressurized to do? Uh, no, not at all. Um, it's stuff I take on myself. Um, I guess if there is any pressure, it's from me. Mm. Um, I find it really hard to say no to things. Um, or, or, or what I'll do is I'll try and convince myself to say no. Um, but opportunities are sometimes too good to pass up on. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think any good would ever come of not going to speak in so-and-so country. It's, it's, mm. it's so hard to say no to these things. Um, so any pressure is completely, you know, self-inflicted, which is kind of what I was trying to get across in the post. You know, like, if you're going to put all this stuff on yourself, make sure you're going to do something with it. You know, no yeah. point accepting all this stuff if you're just going to live the same old life that you could do without doing all the speaking. I mean, you seem incredibly kind of self-motivated. How do you find the time... Well, I guess you you couldn't really find the time to do all of that. Um, but how much time was it taking up every week, all the personal projects? Um, it varies so much. I mean, I have so I have kind of turned it down a little recently. Um, but yeah, it's not uncommon to sort of do a full day's work and then come home and then you know have an hour hour out for some dinner and then work till midnight again. Um, yeah. It varies so much. It depends what I'm doing as well. But um, it does take up a hell of a lot of time, which is, in hindsight, is a stupid thing to do, especially if, you know, you are just going to work a day job. It's right. kind of not unrelated, but doesn't benefit from that. It just seems a little misguided to, to put that amount of time into something. It's really something I tried to get across in that post, you know, if you're going to write a load of blog posts, if you're going to go and speak at things, like make sure you're not doing it just at a sort of detriment to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 really, you know, it's a really sort of a it's a tough one because I really love what I do. I really enjoy what I do. You don't want to say no to anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, you end up writing ridiculous, massive blog posts that um, to most of my peers are just boring and nonsensical as hell. <laughs> I'm just like, no, this is really interesting because this is stuff that hasn't been done before, and I want to sort of explore this avenue and apply sort of this principle to this. And it's the kind of stuff that I find so interesting that I, I do end up staying up till midnight, sort of every night, doing it. Yeah, I really liked um, my favourite post that you wrote was uh, the one on front end performance. Yeah, that, that's everyone loves that. That's one. a mammoth. Yeah, that, see, that's that, that's my point now. Uh, who on earth does that for fun? That's that. <laughs> uh, I need sort of. But I mean, all of the research that went into it as well. I guess that would have taken up a lot of time. I mean, it's not just how long the post is, but how much there is in there. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's really important anyway. I so at Sky, we've got a performance engineering team. Um, but they're all software engineers, so they work on you know our sort of uh, tech stack and and the server side performance kind of stuff. 
So I took it upon myself to be sort of the front end performance guy. And it's just so interesting. And, um, and it really, it's, it's shown in the work that we've done at Sky, just how important it is. Right. So I, uh, yeah, I just, I just really got into it. I sort of immersed myself in performance stuff for a few months. And at the end of that, I thought, well, you know, write this stuff down. You might as well. And yeah. it ended up, that was a weekend project, that blog post took a couple of days. But yeah, it's, it's so great you do things like that. Yeah, well, there's so much stuff to learn and remember that it's kind of handy to write it down. Anyway, I often, well, I refer back to that performance post just so that I can forget, that I can get it out of my head and know that I can look it up again. Yeah. You know, like sort of don't commit all this stuff to memory, just write it down and sort of forget it and go and refer to it later. Yeah, I often do that. I write something down in my blog and come, go back to it a few months later. Like, oh, how did I do that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So a lot of it's for that kind of reason. Yeah, I've got a lot of, uh, got a lot of, uh, what's the word? Thanks, I guess, for the article, uh, which is really nice because uh, a lot mm. of people are putting it to use. So it kind of makes it all feel a little more worthwhile. Yeah. Where do you get most of your ideas for your posts? Are they mainly from the work that you're doing or do you, do you kind of teach us, try and teach yourself something new? Um, so I've come to like a bit of background. I sort of started off on a, a, an agency kind of role where I was surrounded by designers and you've got this, you know, this age old idea of, oh yeah, well, everything should be super semantic and you shouldn't use any IDs or classes and your market should be totally clean and, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, so for a few years, that was kind of my thing. Um, and then I moved to Sky. And I was the only, well, I'm the only front-end guy at Sky. Uh, mm. So my work's quite cut out for me in that respect. Um, so I'm sat in the middle of a team of about 50 or so software engineers wow. as the only front-end guy. And um, just surrounding myself by these guys who really, really know about code um, kind of made me realize that the old design-led way of looking at front-end stuff is a bit... A bit daft, you know, it's a bit, you know, it causes, we cause ourselves problems. Right. So the way I come up with a lot of my stuff is just pester programmers about sort of uh, paradigms like um, the single responsibility principle or, you know, object orientation. Right. And then sort of see, well, if these guys are doing that for their stuff, surely it makes more sense that we can do that for, for our stuff on the front end. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of joke with a lot of my friends. Cause I, I've got loads of friends who I'll go to the pub with. And I'll just pester them about, so what does this mean? And, and how does this mean? And I just, I just take... That's what friends are for. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, I'm sure they're getting sick of me now because I'm turning it into uh, blog posts. <laughs> <laughs> I get all the credit for it. But I just pester my sort of uh, engineering friends and hear about, you know, what they're doing. And I just sort of think, well, how can I steal that from me and, uh, <laughs> and, and get some trips to some conferences out of it? <laughs> but, um, so that's how I kind of come up with a lot of stuff I write about. Um, it just seems to make more sense, uh, yeah. especially for the kind of work I'm doing. And what does like your work think of all of the stuff that you're doing, all the conferences and um, writing? Do they mind, or has it kind they, of got in the way at all? No, um, I've always kept it completely separate. Um, mm. So any conference I speak at, like I said, I book it off off work, so they don't have to know what I'm getting up to. All they know is Harry's got a few days off. Yeah. Um, I want to keep it separate. Um, and does that mean that you can kind of talk from your own knowledge rather than having to kind of use, well, like, to promote Sky at all? Exactly. So people people don't know me because I work at Sky. Uh, people mm. know me because I own the worst domain on the internet. Um, <laughs> I see, I just wizardry. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> that is good. 
So I like to keep them separate purely for kind of, I, I dare say, selfish reasons. Sky didn't get me on that stage, so I want to keep it. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. And it means that when now I've left Sky, there's no bad blood. There's no kind of, well, we gave you all this and now you're just leaving us. Yeah. I've kept it entirely separate. But it's, uh, it's to the point where a lot of people at Sky don't really, or certainly management, have no idea that I work for them. Um, so apparently uh, I heard that the MD of Sky, uh, of Sky betting a game in the branch that I work in at the moment, uh, he had no idea that you know we have a guy who speaks at conferences working for us, and uh, and apparently he recently found that out and then found out I was leaving and he's in a bit of a flap about that. Um, <laughs> so I think I think Sky, in in certain respects, possibly wanted to get more involved, but they sort of I don't know. I always kept it separate because yeah. they, they are separate things. One's my day job, um, and one's my sort of uh, my pet project, I guess. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, I think I think it was the I think it was the best move for me to keep it separate. Like I say, now now I'm leaving Sky. I don't feel like anyone owes anyone anything. If that right. makes sense. Did, was it like difficult though? If you had to take days off to do conferences, that presumably meant you didn't have very many days to use as holiday. Um, yeah, well, that's certainly true. Um, a lot of my time was committed to to conference type stuff. So yeah, I've not, I haven't had a proper sort of holiday in. Oh, quite a while. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I've never even thought about that. I never really booked holidays off for, or days off for going away on a conventional holiday. Yeah, but, you seem to do a lot of kind of camping and cycling and outdoorsy stuff. Yeah, do you think that's a kind of because um, you have to be sitting at a desk all day? Is that kind of rebelling against that? Kind of. Yeah, I um when I grew up. Um, so we only had like one TV in the entire house. We were always a really active family. Um, mm. I was always playing out on my bike as a kid. Um, and I'm really, I'm really perplexed as to how I became a web developer. It kind of flies in the face of everything I've done up until adulthood to be sat at a computer. Mm. So uh, I make sure I spend all my time outside if I can. Um, the last holiday I did go on uh, was spent climbing mountains. Um, wow. I, just, I just hate being indoors. Uh, yeah. So yeah, stuff like camping, climbing, cycling, anything outside really. Um, but you can fit that stuff into weekends. So I usually have quite active weekends. Right. But that's my idea of a break. That's that's probably why I decked it on stage because uh, <laughs> my idea of a break is climbing a mountain. It's good fun though. I really recommend. I think um, I think exercise is probably better for your mind than it is for your body. You know, yeah. Whereas, um, honestly, if I if I so I do a lot of cycling. And um, for me, it's not about keeping fit. It's helpful. But for me, it's about clearing your mind and just having that kind of, that release. You know, you might have had a, a terrible day at work. The last thing you should do is go and sit and watch some crap TV for two hours and go to bed. Yeah. I personally, I think you should go and hammer that out somewhere. Yeah, mm. Exercise for me is like a good release for just stress and, and all the monotonous crap that you deal with day in, day out. Yeah, I think it's quite good. And what do you want to do sort of when you leave? Are you planning on kind of freelancing, maybe giving you the opportunity to do more of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly, fairly confident. I mean, never say never, but I'm fairly confident that I don't want to work for someone again. I'd kind of like yeah. to do my own thing. Um, quite what that will be, I'm not sure yet. I think I've got like a really cheesy sort of a 
one line manifesto. Honestly, it's so cheesy. Um, but I don't want to work for people. I want to work with them. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I don't want to be like a full-time employee. I don't want to be, I don't want to have that really sterile client and provider or yeah. supplier relationship. My ideal kind of stuff would be, I don't know, um, you've got a startup in London and they're just, you know, getting started on building their product. I'd kind of like to go in there for a month and sort of say, hey, look, let's get you started. This is how you do this. If you want to scale this, then here you go. And then I'd disappear after that month and then go and help the next people out. It's sort of more of a consultancy training kind of tutorial kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have any problem finding that sort of work. That that there is a lot of it at the moment. Well, I hope so. Everyone keeps saying that. Oh, you'll have no trouble. Like, what if I'm a homeless, jobless bum? <laughs> Everyone said I'd make it. Now, um, but that's my ideal. But then I also want to keep building stuff. I don't want to just have. I don't want to just have like a a consultancy type existence. Yeah, um, it'd be good to take the opportunity. You know, if you do go um, when you freelance to have like a day off every week where you can just do your own thing yeah that'd be really cool um yeah i just want to work with people with people who care i mean uh, yeah i think one of the most so that this is gonna sound like i'm dissing sky and i'm totally not but i think out of everyone there there's only me who blogs in his spare time there's only me who really does the conference scene yeah all the engineers there are so clever i mean the first thing i learned at sky is how stupid i am um <laughs> But none of them really sort of seem to have the same, um, this sounds really horrible, this really sounds like I'm dissing people, but I'm not. Um, but it'd be nice to work around people who, you know, you meet people on the conference scene who just live and breathe their job. And, yeah. and not in a boring, sad way either, but in like a real passionate kind of way. So I'd love to pair it with people like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, they 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 consider it like a nine-to-five job. It's, it's, not a, it's not so much a career, it's more something that gets a bill paid. Mm. Um, and yeah, that, that's how a lot of people feel about their jobs. It's just, there are also a lot of people who feel really passionate about their jobs. And yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the guys at Sky are just honestly so clever and a lot of them do you know, open source stuff. Mm. Um, it's really odd. So I'll, I'll turn around to someone and they'll be like, Oh, where have you been the last few days? Oh, I was at a conference. Uh, and I'll be like, Oh, I met so-and-so and you'll mention someone that everybody's heard of and they'll be like, Oh, I don't know who that is. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just that kind of thing where. I feel a bit detached from the stuff I do in my spare time. It's such a world away from what I'm doing at Sky. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice to sort of, uh, sort of reinvigorate myself a bit, you know, get, get back in the mix. I like what you said um, in, your, uh, in your blog post saying uh, career moves don't mean if you're just going to stagnate. Yeah. So, um, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I got my mum to thank for that. Like in a very roundabout way. Um, so I started blogging. I started tinkering with building websites when I was sort of 16. And I, I bought cssvisory.com when I was 17. And uh, for the first few years, well, I'll say a few years, I lived with my mum and dad until I was 18 and then I moved out. So for the first year between sort of me earning CSS Wizardry and then, and then moving out, I'd, I'd always say, oh, mum, guess what? I wrote a blog post and, and Smashing Magazine have tweeted it or you know this kind of stuff. Or yeah. some guy in America is using this thing that I wrote. And my mum would always say, and how much money has that made you? And now, now she was equating it straight to money. But I think what she really meant is, well, what does that, what tangible does that result in? Like what? Where is it going to get you? Exactly. 
in the long term. And I always used to say, oh, mum, it's a career move, it's a career move. And for the longest time, I'd answer this question with, mum, it's a career move, it's not for the money, it's to, you know, it's, it's to sort of advance me. Yeah. And then, then recently I've just realised, you make all these career moves and you're opting to sit in the same place day in, day out. Yeah, where's it so actually taking you? There's no point making all these career moves. It's like, it's like paying into a pension fund. Every month you put in this money, you put in this money, you put in this money. And it, it comes a point where you want to take something back out of that. And I feel like I've been paying into that fund for quite a while. And uh, mm. that's why I just kind of want to make it count, I guess. Yeah. You can wrap up all these career moves, but they don't count for anything. You're not going to do anything with them. Are you nervous at all about leaving? Because you said you have nothing lined up, nothing to move on to, no plans, no nothing. I just want to start making things count. Yeah, terrified. Um, absolutely terrified I'm lucky well I'm not lucky Um, I'm fortunate that um, I got some cash stacked away that I could comfortably live for sort of well enough time so I don't need to worry immediately but at the same you don't want to touch that cash you don't want to save up no you know safety money and then spend it straight away Um, so I'm I'm absolutely terrified I'm excited and uh, so pearl of really crap wisdom from my dad <laughs> honestly my mum and dad are just so twee um but uh, my dad once told me it's important to know the difference between nerves and butterflies <laughs> which is so cheesy i mean this guy's like six foot two big guy yorkshireman it's not the kind of thing you'd expect him to say yeah but uh, he said yeah it's important to know the difference between nerves and butterflies and i'm excited i think it's excited nerves but also in the back of my mind there's a there's going to be a doubt. I think everyone must get it. Yeah. I'm excited. Where did you get that? Where did you get into web development? Um, so I've got a friend, a really good friend, uh, Sam Penrose, a real nice guy. We've known each other for years. We were at school together. And we hit sort of 15, 16. And we both thought, you know, we should be graphic designers. How cool is that? We should be graphic designers. <laughs> and... Um, he took a graphics course at sixth form and I took a product design course and we used to meet up on like, you know, evenings every now and again. And we ended up getting a bit of client work in and we did sort of logos and, and branding for nearby companies and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was terrible. I was so bad. Um, I really thought I'd be a great designer, but I am just a terrible designer. Uh, so I said to Sam, Oh look, now we're getting this. We should have a website. Like we should totally do that. We should totally get a website. And I offered to build it. And um, yeah, I learned that, not only was I much better at building websites than I was at design, I also enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. So, yeah, just from the back of – it seems like a similar story for everyone. Um, everyone has that kind of, oh, well, I started doing things for a band and then we needed a website or, you know, my dad's brother needed a website for so-and-so. Yeah. So it was another accidental uh, step in. Yeah, I just fell in love with it and – um you know, I've taken it from there, really. Just yeah. all the time. Uh, you know, I'd build something. Oh, we should do another version because I want to build something new. Um, yeah, so given that, and Sam's gone on to be a successful graphic designer because he was actually good at it. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I got into it. Um, what advice would you give to someone who is kind of in a job where they don't feel they're getting anywhere and maybe they want to move on to the next thing? Um that's a big thing. I could say something now and half the people in the country would quit their jobs. What a responsibility <laughs> to put on my shoulders. 
Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't give any advice because I don't feel like I'm qualified to do so. I mean, because I haven't proved that I can make it yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I could give some advice now and, like I say, be homeless in like a year's time. Um, one thing I, the one thing I did which helped me out the most was uh, I just took, I took stock of what I can do, like what can I provide, so um, you know, build, consultancy, uh, performance engineering, um, all the stuff that I can do um, for anyone. Like, doesn't matter whether that's my current employer or, or in a freelance capacity. That was one list. Mm. And next to that, I wrote another list of what do I want? Uh, not as in money. I didn't, I didn't think about money once. Um, but what do you want from, from life and your career and your life's work? And I had stuff like, I want to enjoy my job again. I want to have fun. I want to have freedom. I want to meet people. And I just had these two lists of, right, what, what can I provide? What quantifiable things can I do? And the other list was what non-quantifiable things do I just want out of life? Right. And from looking at those two lists, it's kind of evident that, yeah, staying where I am is not going to link those two lists together. Yeah. And, and it was really good. It's really good. Um, have you heard of the concept of rubber duck debugging? Oh, where you talk to a rubber duck yeah. to kind of uh, help you figure out why something isn't working. Exactly, right? So the concept of just saying something out loud or getting something down to make you realise you know, where you're going wrong. Yeah. In, for me, just making those two lists was, it was like rubber duck debugging. It sort of all came <laughs> I was kind of like, right, well, if that's what you're capable of and this is what you want, then go and do something that's going to like mix those two lists up. Um, the other bit of advice, actually, I would give is um, watch a talk by James Victoria called Your Work is a Gift. Um, I'll add that to the show notes. Yes, yeah, so I'll give you the link to that. So I was speaking in, uh, in Dusseldorf uh, a couple of months ago, and there's a guy called uh, James Victoria, and I'll admit I'd never heard of him, and he was on quite late, um, kind of like a off-the-schedule kind of time. Mm. And um, I was a bit sort of, not apprehensive, but I didn't really know what to expect. And this guy was unreal. He's like, um, he's a fantastic graphic designer from New York, and his, his talk was about Kind of, kind of what I'm talking about, making it count. Uh, he's he's largely to thank for me uh, handing my notice in. Watching his talk was a real eye opener, mm. and and it's just the most poignant, hilarious, powerful talk. Um, and he's he's just an amazing guy. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll give you the link to that. Anyone who's considering, you know, anyone who isn't happy in their work, should listen to this guy, and then then they'll do what I did and probably hand their notice in. <laughs> um honestly the most amazing talk do you know um you know louis ck the comedian uh no a oh, fantastic american comedian louis ck um this guy's the graphic design version of him um just so funny so poignant um so yeah the only advice i could give is uh is make two lists and watch a video uh i bet most people weren't expecting that <laughs> Probably expecting something far more profound no that's great <laughs> Um, I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor this week. Uh, it's Blush, who do letterpress printing. Harry, do you know like letterpress stuff? Yes, yeah. I am. Um, well, when I used to think I could be a graphic designer, I had a massive crush on sort of typography and and letterpress stuff. Yeah, kind of left it all behind a little now. I'd love to get some real nice letterpress cards. I'm just not important. Oh, you should do that when you go freelance. I'm um, important enough to have fancy cards. <laughs> just scribble my name on the back of a matchbox. <laughs> yeah, I'd love them though. They're so nice. Yeah. So 
Blush makes a kind of technology that we use every day uh, with 16th century printing methods to provide beautiful letterpress printing for designers and artists. And they print business cards and Christmas cards and personalised stationery, wedding stationery, and they print it all on beautiful paper that they source from all over the world. Um, so I've got lots of gorgeous coasters that they've made, like um, font deck ones. Um, and, you know, if, if, if I were you, Harry, I'd... Um, and if I had like a really cool brand like your CSS <laughs> Square, um, I'd get a load of coasters printed that were actually business cards because oh. um, these things you just you don't want to throw them away. Um, so after you use them for a while, these coasters, they get a kind of patina from the tea dribbles. Um, and I hear designers really like that. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to end up spending all my savings on, on coaster business cards now, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to check them out though. They sound cool. I'm going to make you so you, you, you have to send me some because <laughs> I love these things. I love the sh- stroking them. I love them up. And every time like there's a conference and I see people giving out blush coasters at, on the stands, um, I always get two <laughs> so that I can keep one pristine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do that. Um, this is really sad, but um, I'm running sort of uh, craft beery type sort of, um, well, pubs and bars I guess yeah some of them in Leeds have the nicest beer mats and I always oh. nick two <gasps> I, nick- I do that with um you know the labels on beer bottles yeah if I really like it there was a really good like rogue beer and I remember like taking the label off that yeah. the, and- the best thing is if you're still in the labels it means you have to have two beers <gasps> yeah. yeah but um oh. so yeah I'm, I'm totally with you on that steel two one from the wall and one just to use yeah I'm going to so, look these guys up. So when you make these, um, send me two. Yeah, I will do. Cool. So if you can design it, Blush will print it beautifully. So have a look at their blog for some of the things that they've recently printed. And if you can't design, then they've got pre-designed templates that you can choose, which cost from £59 for 250 So it is actually really affordable. That's not too bad at all, is it? No, not at all. And they're really nice as well. They're not like the sorts of pre-designed business card templates that you get most places yeah and if you're new to letterpress um marketing people will help and advise you every single stage of the project and they'll even tweet photos of your project being printed um they call it letterpress live so follow them on twitter at blush publishing or look out for their hash which is hash letterpress live and find out more about blush and what they do by visiting blushpublishing.co.uk forward slash unfinished and i'm going to put a link in the show notes to um the the kind of coasters that they printed for font deck just because i've got i've got so many of these i just took a load i hope they don't mind um and yeah i must have about 10 of these like dotted around the flat and i love them that's a real nice touch as well tweeting the process yeah yeah and it, it's so gorgeous as well they're really good photographers i i just love i love watching old letterpress stuff and like um have you seen the documentary helvetica yeah the opening to that so I'd love to see someone making my business cards or coasters or stuff. I'd love to see that as a nice touch. When I see them, the ones that they make for other people, I find myself dribbling a bit. Oh, I'm going to get envy. I'm going to have to look that up now. I wanted, I want to get some done just to watch it go through the process, but I'm just not very good at designing that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not, so I'd, I'd, I'm going to have to find something to put on them. We should design each other some, and no matter how atrocious they come out, We'll have to. We'll have to. <laughs> That's a good idea. They come back to me and say, uh, we <laughs> yeah, can't are you sure you're printing? <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, another thing I wanted to ask you was what you're going to do in the kind of, you got, is it three months notice? Uh, correct, yeah. And um, what are you going to do in that time to kind of prepare yourself? Um, pester a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I'm quite lucky and I know a lot of, I personally know a lot of successful freelancers and contractors. Um, um, I, one of my best ever friends, a guy called Nick Payne, uh, he's, um, we actually met professionally at, at Skybet. He works at Sky Sports now as a contractor. Right. And um, he's, well, I want to work together with him on some stuff anyway because he's the best software engineer I've ever met. Um, so I'm going to pester him loads about how he goes about business because uh, he's in high demand. Um, you can listen to our podcast. Yeah, well, that, that, I've got um, a list of sort of podcasts and stuff I need to start um, paying more attention to. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really, when people ask me this, like, oh, so uh, are you getting a limited company? Or I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I should know, but I don't know. Um, so yeah, after three months, they're probably going to send panicking, uh, pestering people. Um, yeah, I mean, it can't be. It, I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll make it work. I mean, three months is a long. It's a quarter of a year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an entire season. I mean, it's good in the sense that it gives you time to kind of build up towards freelancing. Um, I guess it's it seems like quite a long time, but it will go really quickly. Yeah. But you can get in that time, you can get yourself all set up. Exactly. You know, it does take a while for to get set up with HMRC. Um, so it's good to have that time. So you're not sort of waiting for things like waiting to get a business bank account set up. That can take that can take weeks. No, uh, well, better get that done first then. Yeah, do that the first first thing you do. Actually, the first thing you should do is decide whether you want to go limited or sole trader. Yeah, yeah, um, probably go limited to be honest. Uh, from yeah, from honestly, I think that's the best way of doing it. Everyone ends up doing it in the long run anyway, so you might yeah. do it up front. Um, yeah, I'm really lucky. I've got such a like well talented and um, open sort of network of friends mm. so i can just anything i need i know that i can ask people for advice yeah um uh, i think i'm i'm sort of really really laid back i don't take anything too seriously <laughs> which could well, it could be doing doing of me we'll have to see so i'm just trying not to uh to stress too much uh, yeah i'm sure it'll all come together i mean like I say three months is ages yeah um it'll all come good i'm just i'm just quite excited yeah and have some fun. Bit of advice I'll give you. Um, I'll take it all. <laughs> uh, find a good accountant, so one who works with uh, like web agencies, web people. Mm. Have you heard of um, Crunch? I have, yeah. Right. Someone recommended that to me. So uh, Nick, the guy I mentioned, and a guy called Jamie Mason, mm. who's the best JavaScript engineer I've ever met. Uh, these are two of my best friends. I'm surrounded by talented people, so I'll just sponge off them if everything goes wrong. <laughs> um, so both of these guys are, are sort of contract engineers and they both use crunch and they say it's amazing so that's like a service where you have um they've got lots of in-house accountants um but it's also is it a software piece of software that does all your accounting and they kind of yeah so can help manage that i could now massive disclaimer i could be totally wrong but from my understanding from brief chat uh with nick and jamie it sounds like some guy had an amazing idea to create like a marketplace for on one side, he's got accountants 
who need accounts to work on. They need work. And on the other side, you've got sort of the world. And these are people who need accountants to work on their stuff. It sounds like he's just drawn a line down the middle that interfaces with this mass of people who need accountants and these bunch of accountants who need stuff to work on. And it sounds like you've got an actual accountant working on your stuff uh, through this interface. Uh, And it sounds like a, a really sort of simple but really decent business model. I think it's good for people who are starting out and they, they're kind of like, oh, I don't think I need an accountant. You know, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's a kind of nice medium. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, Nick, my friend, he's been sort of, uh, he's sort of kind of immersed himself into the crunch sort of story. So they get, they're quite an open company by the sound of things. So they have uh, emails saying, oh, this is what crunch is going on, this is what's going on with us. Right. It sounds like they've just gone uh, from strength to strength recently. Um, sounds like they're proving to be a real reliable and popular service, so I'm definitely going to check those guys out. Yeah, I keep hearing good things about them. Um, you, they, you've just got another, like, a, they've just got a free sponsorship slot there. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, should we send them an invoice? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's um, that's my one accountancy sort of uh, avenue to to look down. What do you do? Do you have an accountant? Yeah, I have um I have an accountant. I actually this is gonna sound really bad. When I was looking for accountants, um I was looking for one who was based in Brighton and I wanted one that was could like really good with web stuff. And it's really hard to know like if you're looking at kind of accountancy agencies, you know, if you type in accountants in Brighton, uh you get a load of these sites that just look really naff and I picked the one with the best markup because <laughs> I thought, yeah. you know, if they've hired a good web designer, then they care about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and there was a, there was an accountant on there who was saying, you know, I specialize in new media. And I was like, right, that's him. Uh, I dropped him an email and he gave me a quote for, I think 300 pounds a year. And I was like, that doesn't sound as bad as I thought it would be. Um, and he's great, and I still use him. I use FreeAgent as well, um, so that's a bit like crunching that you get this software. Um, yeah, FreeAgent's the one that gets mentioned a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't do without FreeAgent. Yeah, it sounds so good. Um, it's, I'm definitely going to either go down the. Um, well, it's either going to be Crunch or FreeAgent. Um, yeah. Do you know um, Rowan from FreeAgent? Yeah, yeah, I met him at the conference. Yeah, I I saw him speak at uh, Dibby a few years ago, and he's an amazing speaker. And um, ever since then, I've followed him on Twitter. And free agents sound like they're doing a lot of really good stuff. They're really nice in that, you know, you can send them a tweet, ask them a question, they'll reply straight away. Um, they're very kind of friendly. Um, they've And they've gone from strength to strength. I mean, they now do things like automatic bank feeds, so you don't have to keep downloading statements mm-hmm. um i should probably shut up about them because they're not sponsoring but <laughs> i i do i do have a crush on them yeah, yeah they do they're great. doing good things i actually enjoy doing accounting now like i enjoy doing all my bookkeeping um which is really sad it's a slippery slope yeah <laughs> you'll be working in a uh, a gray office as an accountant soon <laughs> oh dear uh-huh. um another tip um always use a contract yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, <laughs> listening to uh, the experts, I heard your um, yeah. Andy's contract killer seems to be going down quite well. Mm. Got an email on the last pod, or one of the last ones from a guy saying that his client had mentioned how good it was. I think was that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, always use a contract. He always hears stories of people saying, no, oh, this has gone wrong, this has gone wrong. And I was like, well, what about the contract? Like, yeah, we didn't have a contract. contract. <laughs> well, lesson number one, surely. It's not going to stop that from happening, but it at least gives you a bit of leverage. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll probably end up pestering you loads about stuff then. I'm going <laughs> to... Honestly, you're going to wish you'd never added me on Skype. You you can write into the show and then I'll answer your questions for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about, um, Andy might get a bit annoyed because I know we should be talking about business stuff, but I kind of want to talk a bit about object-oriented CSS. Sure thing. um, For the last, like, 10 minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. So you've got, like, a tool called Inuit.css? Correct. What is that? Um, it's, well, first and foremost, it's something that I haven't touched in three months now, which I feel really good for. <laughs> I've been far too busy. Um, but it's a really paired back, um, object oriented CSS framework. Right. So, so most things that build themselves as, fr- as frameworks, I would probably call component libraries or, or toolkits, you know, Is things. Boilerplates? Say, I'm sorry. Is it a boilerplate? Uh, it's Inuit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, you could say so. It's, it's a framework in its truest sense. It's quite unopinionated. It's completely design-free. Uh, it kind of gets out of your way. Um, and we use it at Skype. We've got a, an internal fork of it. We've, we took Inuit, um, and then we've added a, a GUI layer to it. So we've got a layer of all our, this is what an accordion looks like. Um, this is what a carousel looks like, you know, all yeah. that stuff. We've added a GUI layer on top of it. So we've got a fork of it in-house, and it just the idea is it's it's little and often like your really small parts um, of design-free stuff that you can just keep building on and building on and building on indefinitely. Right. So if if someone comes along and says we need a photo gallery or a carousel or something like that, you can say, "Oh, we've already got one." Uh, at Sky, yeah. I mean, yeah. Inuit doesn't house that, but at Sky would have. Yep, yeah, that's built on top of this, which is built on top of this right. concept of Inuit's uh, very layered as well. So everything sits on a layer that came before it. Um, mm. So you can pair things back or you can extend them out. It's just everything's really sort of fragmented and broken apart. So it's proved to work really well at Sky, actually, which I'm quite proud of. So they were using SAS there? Uh, they are. Um, yeah, it was uh, – I, kind of, I kind of dropped the ball a bit with uh, SAS at Sky. I, I, just, I, just, I just thought, well, we can use it, right? Surely there's no problem with using it. So I started using SAS, and the DevOps guys were like, yeah, SAS runs on Ruby, and we don't have Ruby on any of the build servers because our build process doesn't need Ruby. Right. And I was like, oh, probably should have asked then. <laughs> Can you not just use less? Because that's on Nerd, and we've got Nerd in the, um, in, in the stack. I was like, oh, I'd rather use normal CSS than use less. Yeah. So um, but anyway, they, they were really cool about it. Um, it's really easy to get for the engineers to get set up using SAS. I mean, I, I thought you could just compile it kind of locally and then yeah. push that. Well, we so at Sky, we every dev site, nothing's compiled or concatenated or minified or anything. So you get like 200 JavaScript files, well, not 200, but you know what I mean, dozens of JavaScript files. Wow. Um, so your local environment's actually quite slow or slower than it would be or slower than it could be. Yeah. And then all that gets built um, when stuff goes for release. Um, so, yeah, you shouldn't really keep compiled CSS in, in a Git repo. So, right. so it doesn't get built until the last minute. 
Uh, I see. So it all gets compiled on the fly um, on your machine, but doesn't actually get built, as it were, okay. until until it goes released. Um, I've, I am just, uh, it all goes over my head, but kind of the stuff that the DevOps engineers deal with at Sky is so interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially working at, uh, on skybet.com because that site just gets hammered. Um, the numbers involved are absolutely insane. Um, I keep pestering our one of our senior DevOps guys to go and give a talk about the kind of numbers we deal with. Mm. It all goes over my head, but it just sounds clever enough to impress me. Um, and I guess that's why performance is so important. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We've actually, our lead DevOps engineers, uh, sorry, our lead performance engineers off to uh, speak at PHP Northwest or something. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really performance first company. Where do you learn all that? I mean, as you were mentioning that you you talk to kind of software engineers and learn stuff with them. Do you like buy lots of books, or um, is there anything anything you'd recommend a resource that people can read uh, other than your post, of course? Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I bought a book. Um, no, I, I just Google stuff. Um, I don't know if you know what you want to learn; it's quite easy yeah. to find. I'd never. I'm not the kind of person who would ever sit down and just read everything about performance. I'd probably read about a certain problem, or I might have a scenario that I'm currently dealing with, and maybe think, "Well, is there a way of doing this differently?" Right. So my my approach to learning is uh, cross every bridge when you come to it. Because you'll find you remember more that way if you learn yeah. something because you need to. Um. So yeah, I I, I guess that's just my approach. Um. It also helps to be surrounded by people who are just far cleverer than you because you just want so much up. Uh, it's been really amazing at Sky for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely I recommend. It's been such a fantastic team to work in um, for, for like the performance and, and stuff. I wish I'd learned more, actually. I might start pestering more people in this next three months <laughs> to get them out of my... Just, just milk them for all their way. Yeah, definitely. So you talk quite a bit about um, object-oriented CSS, or is it ooh CSS? Uh, it's amazing how infrequently I say it out loud. <laughs> what would you call object-oriented? We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mouthful. And what is that, like, for people who don't know what it is? Um, well, object-orientation is a software engineering term or a computer science term, uh, which loosely states, I mean, really sort of layman's explanation, is that, Things can be abstracted out into repeatable tasks, like objects. Uh, and I'm probably there are probably software engineers out there cringing right now. Um, <laughs> um, so it's a way of looking at something uh, or several some things and spotting repetition across them. So um, imagine you've got a site like uh, Facebook, and you might type something for a status of it, or you might send someone um, uh, a message, or you might comment on someone's status all that is kind of all the actions are kind of putting putting data into somewhere right. so you'd have an object that handle well taking data from one place sanitizing it and putting it in somewhere else obviously it'd be a lot more complex than that in reality um so it's like everything having one task and all these similar things sharing the shared traits properly right. so object oriented css aims to take similar looking things or repeatable things and abstracting those shared bits out. So um, the best primer, the best, the thing that completely sold me on object-oriented CSS was Nicole Sullivan's article about the media object. Oh, yeah, I've read that. Yeah, that, that. I, I 
it's quite an admission that I used to hate object-oriented CSS because it's quite a kind of it's quite a leap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like I said before, I was from this agency background where you know you can't use any IDs or classes; everything should be super clean. And <laughs> and to go from that to this kind of software engineering-led approach. Yeah, because you do it's, often with object-oriented CSS, you you end up often adding more classes than you're probably used to. Yeah. Yeah, to elements. That's certainly true, but it's not a big a deal because it's more maintainable. Who really cares about that? Clients don't care how many classes. You'd never get a you'd never get a client ringing up saying that you know they think there are too many classes being used. Yeah. The users don't care, and yeah, like you said, it's more maintainable. It's easier for developers to handle these nice abstracted granular things than it is to deal with nasty CSS. But yeah, so um. I guess the best primer is, I guess, I don't know if we put that in the show notes, but yes. I'll send you a link to that. Um, it just, just reading the article made everything click into place. And it was like, I can't believe so many people have been doing things so wrong for so long. Uh, the thing that um, kind of changed my opinion on it was talked by Andy Hume at South by Southwest. Yeah, it was a very good talk. Oh, it's so good. I can't remember what it's called, but I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and it's about sort of, best practices in CSS and how they might not actually, they might be tying us up in knots. And I remember listening to that and thinking, wow, you know, this, it feels so wrong, but it actually sense. makes sense. Yeah. I did a talk recently. It was like a little, um, it was a little like bar camp type, uh, type thing, but it was basically about how, um, oh, it was a real sort of quick, I think it was like 15, 20 minute talk about um, how we have been doing CSS wrong. And what I've managed to boil it down to is the fact that that the first programming language, as we know it, was Fortran, which popped up in, like, the late 50s. And CSS didn't turn up until 1996. So we've got computer scientists who've been doing this thing for, like, 40-odd years longer than we have. And maybe we should listen to them a bit more. You know, these guys have been solving actual problems with curves for for longer than most of us have been alive. And it seems to make sense that we should maybe abandon our you know, don't use any IDs or classes and kind of think about approaching CSS a lot more pragmatically, certainly from a yeah. developer-oriented point of view. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's, it's really nice when you get that light bulb moment. And for me, that was uh, Nicole's article. Yeah. Nicole's amazing. I get to meet her. Oh, she's brilliant. I've never met her before, and I'm dead excited to meet her. <laughs> get to meet her in Berlin. Uh, I'll probably pass out from meeting her. Um <laughs> Yeah, I made a joke a while ago that I'm going to marry her, so I don't hope that doesn't make things awkward between us. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think Andy might get disappointed if he if he hears you say that. <laughs> I'm sure they can all sort something out. You wrote um, you wrote another good blog, um, blog post about um, IDs and classes. Oh, um, which I think is almost as controversial as putting the milk in first when you make a cup of tea. I've started doing that now because of you. Yay! I'm kidding. I've started doing My dad saw me doing it. I went back to my folks a few weeks ago. He disowned you. <laughs> he was over and he's like, what on earth are you doing? I was like, no, wait, wait, trust me. It gets better. And it, I've, I've just started a new project and um, I've sort of indoctrinated all of the people who work there to, to use my method. And we make it in a teapot as well with Lucy's tea. I brought in a teapot and my tea. Um, it's all very civilised. Oh, Revolutionised the... Uh, the tea break. <laughs> so how do you make a cup of tea? Uh, as you do now. Yeah. I, uh, I live alone, so um, never any cause for a teapot. I'm not really into tea that much. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a coffee drinker. Um, right. But yeah, if I have tea, uh, it's got to be Yorkshire tea. You know, hum- yes, the, yes. The humble tea bag. I'm not, uh, I'm not into the loose leaf stuff. Although I did nearly buy a loose leaf teapot. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you've, you've, you've sold me. You've convinced me that, uh, that, that milk first. I'm so proud. <laughs> um, also, I noticed that your whole website is on GitHub. Um, is it GitHub Pages that you use? Uh, it is, yeah. That's really cool. I'm trying to get set up on that. Um, so I might have to email you lots of questions. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's dead easy. I think the problem with GitHub Pages is everyone assumes it's harder than it is. So it's uh, started with. Everyone just assumes it's going to be a massive pain. So no, and actually, I don't think many people actually make the leap to using it. I didn't for the longest time. And then when I actually got down to it, I was like, wow, that's all there is to it. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want any uh, pointers, give me a shout. Yeah. Is it good for, I mean, I know it's built for, like, blogs. Is it good for things that aren't blogs? Um, well, it depends what it depends what you're kind of hinting at there, really. You can, uh, you can run any kind of static site on it. It's all static stuff. There's no, um, there's absolutely no uh, sort of server side capabilities. So because I want to move my whole like console, you know, my console side. Yeah, yeah. With all the different consoles on it. I want to move that over to to pages so that other people can edit it without having to like. It's all a sort of PHP template that's just really difficult to work with, and I want to make it easy for people to make changes mm. without having to put loads of classes in and stuff. Yeah. Um, Is it good for that? Potentially. I mean, there'd be a lot of manual effort. Um, you'd have to convert it into uh, Jekyll uh, in yeah. PHP at the moment. Uh, I don't know if it'd be quick to rebuild it from scratch, maybe, rather than convert it. Yeah, I don't mind doing that. But yeah, I mean, like my my blog, to get like the uh, minimum viable product, if you like, uh, to actually get a blog up and running. It was like a, an hour's work. Huh. Um, and then I just built on top of that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's dead quick. It's dead quick. I'd recommend it. Uh, it's really reliable as well. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. Um, I noticed, like, I was looking through your commit history and there was one where you'd, uh, you'd changed your age. Yeah, yeah. I need to... Oh, that's uh, sweet. <laughs> I, I need to write a new bio that doesn't include that because years ago, a guy said to me, Oh, Harry, you're just going to keep changing your age. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And it's actually happened. I'm like, I need to stop mentioning my age because it's not relevant. <laughs> Every time it comes around, I'm just like, oh, crap, I better change this. So, yeah, I think I need to write a whole new bio. Um, yeah, well, now, now, now I can't say that I work at Sky either. Maybe now's the time. Now you have to make up hobbies and things. Oh, I guess you don't have to make them up. Yeah. You can say yeah. like camping and climbing. And- yeah, but yeah, I'd, I'd, definitely, uh, I'd definitely pop you know, thing on GitHub pages if you if you fancy doing it just just for the learning curve or the learning experience rather. Yeah, I kind of wanted to learn a new templating language, so yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, go for it. Cool. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time because I know you're crazy busy. Um, yeah. Well, I think actually I was going to meet Gavin Elliott for some beers this afternoon. Nice. But, uh, it's good weather. Well, it's all right weather up here, but he's um, yeah, he can't make it now. Uh, so I've got like a free afternoon, so I'm just going to. Chill out. <laughs> Sounds like you need it. Well, chilling out will probably mean doing something with code. But we'll see. Cool. 
So how can people get in touch with you if they have any questions? Um, drop me an email, uh, harry at cssworthery.com, or find me a tweet, most likely. Um, you're a good tweeter. I recommend people follow you because you're, you're always sort of posting interesting links and things. Yeah, I, I keep going through... I keep going through fits and starts because um, this is going to sound like I'm showing up. I've got a lot of people following me now and that's, that's, I still can't get my head around that. I can't get my head around the fact there are tens of thousands of people want to know what I've got to say. Quite and daunting. it's a bit scary. So every now and again, I'll think, oh, I'll tweet this. I'll think, oh, what do people want to know about that? <laughs> but lately, I've just been going, yeah, I found this interesting. You might find it interesting. I tweet a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. I like the pictures that you tweet when you're out and about. Yeah, I do that to try and like not inspire people to do the same. But I just think it's so good for you to get out there, and I think yeah. try and capture it. My dad's one of those people who uh, he'll see someone um, somewhere really beautiful, and he's like, "Well, oh, why do I have to get the phone out?" It's like, well, because you know, there's a certain like breed of person who thinks it should never combine uh, countryside and technology, right? mm. and I'm not one of those people because technology is awesome. Countryside's awesome. If you can do both, even better. Yeah. So I'm always I'm always snapping photos and tweeting photos of places because I just think people should do the same. It's so good for you to sort of get out and uh, get away from like hustle and bustle. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Um, if you want, you can email me at shehas at unfinished.bz. Um, Andy's he has at unfinished.bz. Or you can email us both at theyhaveunfinished.bz. All the links that we mentioned in this episode are on our show notes and you can find them at unfinished.bz forward slash 31. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. And thanks again to our sponsor this week, Blush. Blush who do beautiful letterpress printing of cards, stationery and more for designers and artists. We'll see you next week. Well, thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>